0: Welcome to the Inside Scoop, everything you need to know for your student to succeed in the Cobb County School District. I'm David Owen. Tell your friends to find us on their favorite podcasting platform and make sure to subscribe today. Late fall and winter are the times of year that sickness seem to abound in Cobb County and frankly, probably all schools. Most commonly, the flu circulates, causing students and staff to miss classes for a while. But lately, we've been hearing terms like pandemic in the media, sometimes expressed in sensational ways. Here to help us separate fact from fiction is nursing supervisor of school health services, Melanie Bales. Melanie, welcome to the Inside Scoop.
1: Thank you so much, David, for the invitation.
0: Oh, I tell you what, your role has got to be very, very busy uh, nowadays. Uh, People hear something like the word pandemic and uh, virus and, and they I have a tendency to panic,
1: quite frankly. That's true, unfortunately. But hopefully I can help to answer questions that um, people may have and um, see if we can get Everyone's nerve settled a little bit.
0: So, like I said in the the introduction, uh, f- late fall and winter seem to be the the peak times for this sort of thing. Why do we see that during those times of year?
1: Well, it's that time of year for um, viruses um, such as cold, such as flu, mm-hmm. um, to be very prevalent um, during this time of year. Um, and you know, in our schools, which are just a microcosm of the bigger community, um, we of course will experience um, those illnesses as well amongst students as well as staff. Is it uh, because people are inside more? Uh, not necessarily. The viruses are in the community. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we're in large groupings within our schools, but it's so very important that we practice good respiratory hygiene and we wash our hands frequently because of the fact that those viruses are in the community.
0: Obviously, we're talking primarily at this point about uh, coronavirus and uh I think they say uh, COVID-19. Can you explain exactly what that is and and give us a little more information about that?
1: Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. So we'll start with um, coronavirus. And coronaviruses, according to the World Health Organization, um, it's a large family of viruses which may cause illness in animals as well as in humans. Mm -hmm. In humans, um, there are several coronaviruses that are known to cause respiratory infections. And, of course, most recently discovered um, it's a coronavirus disease or COVID-19, uh, which appeared um, in December 2019. So COVID-19 and that COVID-19, mm-hmm. that's the infectious disease that's caused um, by the most recently discovered coronavirus.
0: Coronavirus has, has been around. It's just a... a- A new strain or a new type of it? Absolutely, that's correct. Is is that similar to the flu? I mean, I've heard people say that it's a lot like the flu. Is that accurate?
1: Um, That is accurate. The symptoms are very similar um, to what you may experience with seasonal flu. Um, Some of the most common symptoms of COVID-19 are fever, tiredness, dry cough. A lot of the things that you would um, actually experience um, with the flu And so, um, in addition, um, some patients may have aches and pains, nasal congestion, runny nose, Mm -hmm. sore throats, or diarrhea. Um, And then, of course, um, just like with the flu, there are people um, that are less symptomatic.
0: Okay, so it kind of impacts everybody a little bit differently, depending on well their their body how their body metabolizes Absolutely. things, and and uh, I guess also your immune system has a lot to do. Absolutely. with Absolutely. Um, so, is there a cure or a vaccine for it? I know there's there's a vaccine for the flu. Would that work for? Uh, coronavirus? No,
1: so that's a different um, vaccine. The current vaccine that's out now Mm -hmm. um, for influenza, um, it's different because those vaccines are created based on the type of virus um, that is circulating or anticipated. Because of the fact that this is a new virus, Mm -hmm. um, there, of course, um, at this present time, it's not a vaccine for it.
0: Obviously, if if there were a cure, then I guess there would be not as big an outcry about (laughs) that. Right, that's Um, true. So as, as probably, uh, and I would guess that even if there were a vaccine, it would be a hit or miss situation, like with the flu. Frankly, uh, sometimes they don't get the strain correct on on their predictions. That strength. may
1: very well be the case. Okay, and um, it's important to note that um, you know those who are most susceptible um, actually are older people, mm. um, those with underlying medical problems like high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes. Um, asthma, those people would, um, actually be more likely to develop serious illness. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course, um, it's so very important, um, that anytime you're experiencing sickness, if you have a fever, if you have a cough, or difficulty breathing, it's so very important to seek medical attention.
0: Yeah. Well, especially if it gets to the point of feeling like a flu. I mean, that's... Right. That's, uh, pardon the pun, nothing to sneeze at. No, it's not. You get it taken care of as soon as you can, right?
1: That is so true. So... all
0: right. So at, at this point, and, and uh, folks, we are recording this on the 27th of February. Um, are, are there any cases known in Georgia, any uh, coronavirus cases known?
1: Um, at the time of our taping, there are no reported cases of um, COVID-19 in the state of Georgia.
0: Okay. And those those two being equated nowadays. Right. I know there, there are distinctions, but okay. So uh, it's not like it's just around the corner, but we, of course, want to make sure we're prepared. How does Cobb County specifically keep track of all of this stuff? Is this uh, a new challenge that that we're having to deal with? Uh, and if so, how are we dealing with it?
1: So this actually um, is in line with how we monitor um, and keep a handle on illnesses in general okay. in our school district we um, have an infectious disease reporting protocol um, that we um, actually follow, which is a board policy. Mm -hmm. And um, so just on a general basis, um, when um, there are suspected clusters of illness, whether it's the flu, whether it's strep throat, um, or it could be chickenpox. Um, our school nurses, our personnel that work in our school health clinics, mm-hmm. actually will report that information up to their consulting nurse or to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are in constant collaboration and communication with the Department of Public Health, Um, more specifically the epidemiologists at Cobb and Douglas Public Health. Mm -hmm. And so as they connect the dots and track um, illnesses that are out there in the community, they will give us guidance on if we need to have heightened cleaning of any of our schools and classrooms. Um, If there are um, notification letters perhaps that need to go out to parents um, and guardians about what to watch for. And then our school nurses um, work collaboratively with the staff in their schools. Um, To make sure that we are making um, people aware of the importance of washing your hands frequently with soap and water Mm -hmm. and um, practicing um, adequate respiratory hygiene, like I mentioned, and that's covering coughs and sneezes with Kleenex and definitely coughing and sneezing into your elbow.
0: Okay, and and uh, keeping your hands away from your face as Absolutely. I as I remove my hand from my face at this moment. Absolutely, uh, <laughs> I see you over there. Yeah. Well, we're all learning. It's That's a learning. True.
1: It is, and it's reminders that you know it doesn't matter the age. All of us uh, need to be reminded of from time to time.
0: Well, and you know one of the things that I love about Cobb County is that that we take this sort of thing very seriously. I've got kids in the district, and. Um, i know that years ago uh, there was a move by the the board to equip every school with a licensed nurse is that R- right. still true? Okay.
1: That is still true. Um, we are very fortunate um, in our state um, to be the largest school district with a licensed nurse in every school um, mm. throughout the entire school day um, to meet the health care needs of our students as well as our staff. So we're, we're not,
0: uh, and this isn't to disparage uh, volunteer moms or, or what have you out there, but th- these are licensed professionals who can truly keep an eye out for those symptoms that may present in one of our schools. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay.
0: So are are there any uh, specific things that that families can do to protect themselves and, and to keep it from spreading into the schools?
1: Well, it's um, so very important um, that we make sure that we are keeping our children home when they're sick. Mm -hmm. Um, We do, as I mentioned, have infectious illness reporting protocols, but we also have protocols in place um, where we determine when it's appropriate based on a student's symptoms for them to go home or even remain at home if they are ill. So when they're experiencing symptoms such as fever, they should remain home until they are fever-free for at least 24 hours without taking
0: With that, and I interrupted you right at the key okay. moment. I'm sorry for that, but you were about to say I presume without taking Tylenol yes, or right. Motrin Absolutely. or Advil. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely okay.
1: without taking those medications.
0: This is a pet peeve of mine. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. When, when somebody gives their child Advil and the fever goes down, that doesn't mean it's okay to send your child. It means the child is comforted right. for the duration and protected from an excessively high fever. But the parent needs to, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the parent needs to let the fever go up if it's going to go up to see that it's going up in order to know, Help me out with this. Right. This is and so very basically.
1: Confusing. That's okay. I'll help to clarify that as yeah. much as I can. And so basically, uh, we definitely encourage that you don't necessarily mask a fever with um, mm. fever-reducing medications. Of right. course, you know, those are definitely, that's definitely comforting measures um, to help you know, a child rest more peacefully and then mm-hmm. to keep their fever at bay. But it's so important that at some point as they are starting to feel better, they have been off of the fever reducing medication for 24 hours before returning to school without a fever.
0: So the parent should, after, let's say that uh, they uh, somebody gives their child Advil and it says four to six hours later they can have another dose, mm-hmm. instead of just automatically giving that next dose, Perhaps they should wait to see if the favor truly is rising again.
1: Sure, you can do that or, you know, definitely following the advice of your physician. Of course. Um, you know, or your healthcare care provider. Um, but it's so very important to monitor whatever symptoms, you know, they're having. And it's important to remember that a lot of times, you know, any of us, when we're not feeling well, you know, they won't necessarily be productive in class. Right. Um, their immune system has been compromised a little. And so that puts them at a little bit more risk of um, contracting an illness that may be in the community. So we want to make sure um, that we are monitoring that as parents Mm -hmm. um, and keeping children home when they're sick. Um, And that goes for adults as well. It goes for our staff members as well.
0: That's true. Uh, Some people I I know who are really uh, striving to do the best at their job feel like they're obligated to go in when in fact they're They're making things worse by spreading sickness. Absolutely. So uh, would it be uh, advisable for parents maybe to consider having a plan B? If if your child becomes sick and let's say both parents are working, um, have a plan B in place. right? So that if, if you do have a child that shouldn't go to school, you either have someone, a family member or a friend willing to help look after that child or have arrangements with your employer to be able to stay home with that child.
1: Absolutely. That is so very important, David. And I'm glad that you brought that up um, because that is one of the things that we um, will start with um, as far as calling of parents Um, need to pick their children up from school because they're Mm -hmm. sick, Mm -hmm. you know, their nurses or the clinic staff will actually start with the enrolling adult and go down the list um, based on emergency contacts um, in order to um, reach someone that can come and pick the student up from school.
0: I know it can be incredibly inconvenient for a child to be sick. I've been in that situation, but it's very important to to have that that plan in place. It is. So how do schools guard against a virus if, if one does present Itself in a particular school building. How does the school district manage that? Do we just close school?
1: No. Um, that would be a little too easy to do and it's actually <laughs> not the best approach to take um, and so what I will tell you as I mentioned earlier about our collaboration and ongoing communication with public health um, especially as it relates um, to um, coronavirus or illnesses um, you know that are at an epidemic proportion then um, all of our guidance um, as far as school closures and things of that nature are um, that comes from from public health mm. and so it's so very important for us to work in collaboration um, with public health um, their direction comes from CDC okay. and it takes all of us working together to make sure we're first and foremost doing what is in the best interest of the not only our school population but the entire community to mm. keep them safe
0: because they've got a whole bunch of scientists working on this every moment of that, the is, day. So yeah. that okay. is so very true
1: that is so very true
0: I had the opportunity to step into a school that was evidently filled with a stomach virus going around, and something I learned that, I don't know if it's unique to that school or maybe it's a district-wide thing, but our maintenance department stepped in and actually uh, excused the students, uh, I don't know, to the media center or learning commons or, or some other location for, oh five to ten minutes while an employee went in there with a fogger to fog the entire Mm -hmm. room Mm -hmm. with an antiviral agent that, of course, is safe to children. It wouldn't be used in there if it weren't. But I just found that that was that was more aggressive than I thought we were doing. That's that's very comforting.
1: Right. And I think that's I I think that's a great idea. Many of our schools um, have those devices that they're able to do that. Uh Um, And, of course, it's nothing like old-fashioned soap and water, which cleans your hands. It just takes Um, a little more time. It does. It takes a little (laughs) bit more time, but that definitely is um, efficient Mm -hmm. and um, it's time-saving so that the children are not missing their instructional time. They can get back to their classroom setting Mm -hmm. once that's been taken care of. So
0: we've, we've covered an awful lot here already. What what resources can uh, listeners go to that uh, might be helpful for them to learn more about all of this?
1: So it's very important um, to follow the Department of Public Health uh, website, which is dph.georgia.gov or the CDC's website. Um, they actually both have specific landing pages regarding coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while um, many of the information people garner is from the media or it's from social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, those are great as well. Um, if it's from DPH and CDC, they will have the most up-to-date information mm-hmm. um, because it changes frequently. It's changing as we speak. Yeah. So it's very important um, to access um, those particular websites.
0: And, and frankly, no offense intended to my uh, colleagues in the media, but that that cuts out the middleman and, it does. and cuts out some some, frankly, some interpretation of some very technical information.
1: Absolutely. Right. And that's so very important. You know, we each hear things differently. We each perceive mm. things differently mm-hmm. and we interpret things differently. Yeah. So it's very important to go to the source um, because those are the public health officials um, and researchers that are on top of what's going on. Um, and so we should get our information directly from them.
0: And we'll put some of those links down in the uh, description for this podcast so that listeners can go there and and just click on it instead of trying to to search it up, as the kids like to say. Uh, Is there anything else that you feel like we need to add that uh, might benefit the listeners at this point?
1: You know, many of the students, um, they sing the birthday song just uh, as a reminder or they count for 20 seconds, you know, when they're washing their hands with soap and water. So um, some things, again, that many adults need to be reminded of. And if you don't have soap and water available, please make sure that you're using an alcohol based hand sanitizer um, if soap and water is not available at that point. Well
0: said. We could always use that kind of a reminder every now and then. So we've been listening to Nursing Supervisor of School Health Services, Melanie Bales. Melanie, thank you so much for coming by and, and uh, shedding some light on all of this information coming thank at you. us. Thank you.
1: Thank you, David. I appreciate the opportunity to be here.
0: You can learn more about Cobb School Health Services by visiting the district website at wwwcobbk 12org Just click on Departments at the top menu, then School Health and Nurses. Also, we'll give you those links in the description of the podcast below so make sure you check those out and stay in touch with the latest and and greatest information on that thanks for listening to this edition of the inside scoop a podcast produced by the cobb county school district